0: Good morning. Uh, it's great to be here with you all for another Lord's Day. And uh, I have the privilege of bringing the word to you once again. Do I, you, you guys can hear me pretty clear, right? I, okay. All right, so if you're able, let's go to our text together, uh, Genesis 15. And I'll read it for us. It's on the longer side, but feel free to just... Sit back and receive God's word. After these things, the the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But he said, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? He said to him, Bring me a heifer, three years old, a female goat, three years old, a ram, three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he brought him all these, cut them in half, and laid each half over against the other. But he did not cut the birds in half. And when the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram, and behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Then the Lord said to Abram, "'Know for certain.'" When the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your offspring I give this land, from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Kadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephaim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites and the Jebusites. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, Thanks be to God. Well, let's pray together. Uh, Dear God, thank you. Uh, Guide my words and apply your truth to us now so that we're moved to emerge from our fears, just like we sang just now, and love you and others more deeply. Help us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, last week, we started a new series called Love for the Fearful, and I mentioned that we would be addressing different kinds of fears that we experience as people. Uh, We began with the fear coming from guilt and shame in the story of Adam and Eve, and as we move forward, we're going to take a journey through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, picking out more instances of characters facing various fears. And the hope, again, is that as we go through these different fears, we would see how love was the cure for them and the way out of them. This is one of the threads that connects the whole scripture, God's love addressing people's fears. Uh, Today, moving along in the timeline, we come to Genesis 15, the story of Abram. Abram's fear in this passage is the fear of the future. As he's getting older, he's anxious about what would happen to his life and his legacy, especially since he doesn't have any children. I think the fear of the future is something that many of us can relate to, right? Especially these days. And so that's what this message is going to be about. Let's try to unpack this text in three points. Reframing the future, redeeming the future, remaining in the future. Uh, So first, reframing the future. Amy and I are big horror movie fans, and I know some of you are as well. Uh, But a lot of times when we mention to somebody that this is a pastime of ours, they usually respond with a curious look, and they ask, why? And so I actually looked into this. There was a 2020 study published in the Personality and Individual Differences Journal, and researchers found that People who watched horror movies during the pandemic tended to gain increased psychological resilience. Uh, Here's what it says. One explanation for why people engage in frightening fictional experiences is that these experiences can act as simulations of actual experiences from which individuals can gather information and model possible worlds. Uh, a good horror story is one that functions on a symbolic level using fictional and sometimes supernatural events to help us understand our own deepest real fears. Uh, so in other words, these movies are a way for us to deal with real-world anxieties about what might happen to us. See, in fact, the past couple of years you might have noticed a lot of trending films and shows have been about zombies, survival, uh, diseases... Uh, and if the research is right—that our media consumption says something about our mind state—a uh, lot of us are probably experiencing, uh, are probably experiencing some uncertainty and unsettledness about our lives right now. Horror movie fans or not, we might be needing to cope somehow with personal concerns about the future. Now, uh, what are these concerns exactly? Uh, Deloitte published uh, their Gen Z and millennial survey this year, taking data from people across the globe. And the top worries in these age groups turned out to be financial stability, retirement, and wealth inequality. Uh, And right below those were climate change and career dissatisfaction. Maybe you could relate to one or two of those. Fear of the future is something that looms over so many of us. In any age group, some of you are carrying the burden not only for yourself, but for your children and your parents. In our text, Abram is in a similar predicament. Back in Genesis 12, we see that Abram was living in a place called Haran, just minding his own business. When all of a sudden, God called him to pack up and leave to another place that God would tell him about later. So imagine if somebody came up to you and said, move out of your home and go somewhere else. You'd be like, what's wrong with you? And close the door. Uh, But because Abram recognized that this was a call from God, he obeyed and left his hometown, traveling all the way to a place called Canaan. And that's where God promised him that his offspring would one day take that land. That was God's covenant to Abram, that his offspring would take that land. Uh, But the journey wasn't over. At one point, uh, Abram had to deal with a famine uh, and then take care of some family drama, uh, rescue his nephew by fighting a battle and meet up with a mystery priest. So you can see that after God called him, Abram was just living each day not knowing what would happen or where he's supposed to be next, a completely unpredictable life. And he didn't always handle it well emotionally. Uh, It was probably overwhelming for him to live like that, especially when he couldn't understand. Um, In today's text, Abram is struggling because God's promises are all about his offspring, but he has no kid yet. Uh... He's been trusting God but he and his wife are getting old and they haven't seen any fruit. So he's getting restless. Now how does God respond to that? Well, the first thing he says here is, fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. The fact that God says, fear not, I am your shield, shows that he wants Abram in this moment to change his perspective on the future, to reframe it. Uh, A shield is not something that prevents trouble or stops unpredictable things from happening. It's something that helps you get through these things even as they happen. Uh, So in a sense, God is saying, Abram, I know you're anxious, but do you know that you have a shield to handle whatever's coming your way? And that shield is me. And why is it important that God himself is the shield? It's because God's the one who designed Abram's future. He knows exactly what Abram needs and when he needs it going forward. God is sovereign over life. Uh, King's Cross Church, what I hope we can practice doing when we think about our future is reframe it from something I need to shape into something that's already been shaped by God. Uh, See, see, if our destiny, our fate, is left to chance and nature, then that's actually the scariest place for us to be because that means everything is up to you. And if you miss an opportunity or slip up somewhere, your destiny is forever changed. If something you didn't expect occurs and you have no resources for it, you can fall into despair, and your mind will be weighed down with shoulda, coulda, wouldas, if onlys, and what ifs. And no matter how much self-care we do or rest we give ourselves, if the pressure to create destiny is on our shoulders, that's exhausting, and we won't get rid of that anxiety so easily. So church, I'm asking what would happen if we start to reframe our future into something that's not in our hands, but in somebody else's greater than ourselves. Uh, That our destiny is in the palm of a sovereign creator whose wisdom is infinitely greater than ours, And he's already planned out our steps according to what he sees would be best. Well, Abram, like a lot of us, had a hard time thinking that way. Uh, In verse 2, he says, God, I don't have a kid yet. And the only other person I can think of is Eliezer, since he's somebody in my household. Uh, So you can see Abram's already done all these calculations in his head. He's suspecting that God might not pull through, so he's trying to set up some controls to assuage his anxiousness. Um, And this isn't the first time or last time he thinks this way. Uh, Just a few passages before, there's a moment when when Abram is escaping a famine, and he's going into Egypt with his wife, Sarai. And since Sarai is a beautiful woman, he tells her, uh, look, I don't want them to kill me for you, Uh, so can you just go tell the princes of Egypt that you're my sister? Uh, That way they can take you and I can live." Uh, This is another example of Abram Abram being controlling about his security. And even further, in this instance, you can see that his way of handling things not only affects himself, but also the people around him. Uh, He actually puts his own wife in harm's way to maintain a sense of safety. Another instance is in chapter 16. Abram still can't trust God about getting a child, so he desperately has a kid with Hagar, the servant, who is then mistreated by Sarai and driven out of the house. Uh, The point is, do you know that the choices that you make in trying to configure your life, mastering your destiny and security, it might seem like wisdom or maturity at times, But when it gets into the realm of control or trying to solve your future on your own, your choices might not affect only you, but those around you as well. Uh, You might find yourself becoming more impatient, more intolerant, and even angrier towards others when they're getting in the way of your plans. When your soul's bandwidth is overwhelmed because you think the future's all on you, that leaves little room for you to live out the life God calls you to live on this earth, which is to notice other people's needs and other people's experiences. What would it mean for you to finally start accepting that God is wise over your life? A shield around you as you move forward. Somebody said, I don't know the future, but I know who holds the future in holy knowledge. Can you rest in that? Because that could free you up in ways you might not expect and help you be more present. Which brings us to the next point. I was reframing the future. This is redeeming the future. So... Abram's reasoning with God. He says, man, maybe Eliezer can be my heir because I don't have a kid yet. And God responds by bringing him outside and telling him the covenant promise once again. Abram, look at the stars. He says, that's what your offspring will be like. I'm going to give them this land. But Abram says, how do I know that? Um. A lot of times when we hear big talk like, oh God has your future in his hand or you can trust him, our response might be, how do I know that? How do I know that he actually cares about me? Because I'm trying to live day to day, paycheck to paycheck, paying off my loans, taking care of my kids, supporting my parents, and not to mention this country's getting wilder by the day. How do I know that God cares, trust him, is not just empty thoughts, empty prayers. Uh, I don't know where Abram's heart was, but maybe we can relate to his question. Well, God's response is one of the most important moments in Scripture. He says, Abram, bring me a heifer, a goat, a ram, a dove, and a pigeon. And of course, when he hears that, Abram knows exactly what they're for. They're about to do a covenant ceremony, which was common back then. And so Abram cuts these animals in half, except the birds, and he lays the halves on top of each other. And after a while, it gets dark. Abram chases some birds away, and he falls asleep. Um, Then God speaks over his sleeping body, promising again to bring his offspring into the land, and a smoking fire pot and flaming torch pass between the animal pieces. So two things are happening here. First, Again, this was a covenant ceremony. Back in the day, people did this to make a contract. Uh, It was a commitment to each other's demands. And if one party broke the covenant, the commitment, there would be uh, some serious consequences. And so the God of heaven was stooping to Abram's level to give him a physical sign of his promise. He was letting Abram know this wasn't just words. He wanted to show him by action. He will follow through. He will take care of him and give him a future according to plan. Uh, uh, most people in, in the ancient Near East understood that a, an event like this was profoundly weighty. And God wanted to make that point. But the second thing that's happening here is that God was revealing a little more about what his promise to Abraham actually meant If you look at the kind of animals God tells him to bring, these were all animals that later in the Bible were used as sacrificial offerings for sin. So even the birds were used for private offerings. So these weren't just random animals, they were related to sacrifice for sin, purification on the altar of God. What does the sacrifice for sin have to do with this promise to Abram for his future? God was saying, in the big picture, the way I'm going to love you is, and, and the way I'm going to pull through for you and make sure your future is secure is actually through a sacrifice. And this is where the careful Bible reader starts to realize, okay, God's plan for Abram and his offspring is not just for Abram, but this is a plan for the whole world, that he would unfold through Abram. Because if we look back at last week's passage in Genesis 3, God makes that initial promise that the enemy will bruise the woman's seed. You remember that? But the seed will crush the enemy's head, having victory over. Over the curse of sin. And so God's going to one day allow that seed to be bruised, but through that bruising, the seed will also have victory over the sins of the world. And at this point in biblical history, Genesis 15, God's looking to pass on that very seed through Abram's line. That's why it was so important for God to keep his promise to Abram that he would have offspring. Because it wasn't just about Abram's future, it was about God preserving the seed of the woman in the beginning for the future purpose of it one day being bruised and having victory over his people. The sacrifice language in this covenant ceremony hints that God has in mind the bruising of the seed in the future. That for salvation for happen, to happen for his people and for their destiny to be secured that bruising, that sacrifice of the seed will have to happen. And of course, the fire pot and the the torch that pass through the pieces represents God himself. He's putting his own body on the line as a sign that he will commit to Abram and to the world. Now, a few chapters after this, God changes Abram's name to Abraham, which means father of many. And he finally gives Abraham a son named Isaac. And the story many of you know, Genesis 22, when Isaac is a teenager, God tells Abraham, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and offer him as a burnt sacrifice on a mountain. I'm not gonna get into that too much today, but that story is not about God testing Abraham to see if he would kill his son for God. He actually stopped Abraham from killing his son in the end. No, that event was God further clarifying his plan of salvation through the seed. God was showing the world that in the future, when the time comes for the bruising of the seed, when the sacrifice happens for God to pull through with the plan of salvation mentioned at the time of Adam and Eve, that sacrifice will be of a son. An only son, just like Isaac, who is deeply loved by a father. That's what God was hinting at here in Genesis. King's cross, the length to which God went since ancient times to make sure that there would be salvation for you and that his son would go to the cross, forgive you, and rise again so that you sitting here today could have a relationship with him. See, these truths, they might not tell us what happens tomorrow or the next year or whatever, but they do tell us that God is so serious about keeping us close to himself That since long ago, he had planned to send his own son and be near us and change our hearts. Meditating on that should give us a sense of how committed our God is is to being near to us. And not only that, it should expand our view of what our life is actually about. Retirement, financial security, career, and even health, these are really important things. But even as we concern ourselves with these things, if we know that God will guide and provide, like it says in Matthew 6, and we know that he saved us for a greater purpose than just what happens on this earth, we might start seeing what it means to have a redeemed future. When Jesus came, gave himself to redeem us, he also redeemed our future, so that our perspective, our values, and our goals can start to change. Uh, We start to pursue generosity, love, justice, advocating for the marginalized, and mercy in Jesus' name before we leave this earth because we understand that these things have eternal significance. In your difficult times, you might still be able to give love to somebody next to you, and that's powerful. In uncertain times at your job, you might still discover intimacy in God's word, and that's priceless. When you're facing illness... You might still experience a powerful prayer life and that's strength. These are things that come from following Christ and things that last forever in your new redeemed future. Family of God, God will provide for you for tomorrow. He will provide for you for next week and the next year. The important thing is to expand your future of what uh, picture of what your future means. Is it the 80 years of being safe and secure here? Or do you know that our souls were destined for so much more than that since ancient times? That's part of what faith is. Looking towards the day when he makes all things right and living in that. And lastly, last point, remaining in the future. There's an interview of Tracy Morgan, the comedian, on a radio show. And a friend calls in to talk to Tracy and he says, what's good? What's up with you, Trace? And Tracy says, regular, man, staying regular. No cheese, no pepperoni, just a slice and a Coke, man. And that's one of my favorite moments in an interview because it's such a real everyday neighborhood answer, just staying regular. Uh, sometimes it's the regular routine things that give us comfort. My favorite restaurant of all time is BCD in Bayside. I just literally, I, I walk in there, I put the menu face down because I know exactly what I want. Spicy beef Sundubu with no egg. Maybe in such unstable and uncertain times, you're craving for the regular, like a food or, or a game that you enjoy, or the people that you text, a morning ritual, TV show you that you watched a hundred times. Whatever it is, we crave regularity. David Foster Wallace says, we crave the cliche Why? Because we want to know that something is consistent. What I noticed as I was studying our text is how many times God reminds Abram of his promise to him. He says it in chapter 12, your offspring will have this land. In chapter 15, the same thing twice. Chapter 17 and 22. God continues to repeat this promise to Abram at various points. Family of God, it's true that our future feels shaky at times. And that could cause fear, but I can't emphasize enough how life-giving it can be to listen for God's word to you on a regular basis, opening our ears and our hearts so that his word, whether it's through reading, whether it's through talking to each other, Sunday service, anything else, it's that routine feeding for your soul that will speak to you. And you're gonna be reminded in those moments that he loves you, he gave himself for you, and he will not give up on you or the world. Those are lasting truths that your heart needs to hear to strengthen the core of you. It's impossible to experience God's comfort without the regular. Pastor Tony Evans, preaching on Hebrews, he said this, I know you want to get to the other side. We all want to get to the other side of our anxieties, but I can assure you there's help on the way. God says in the middle of a hectic life that's got you weak, there's a private place, a throne room with a grace dispenser to give you help in times of need. You ought to go there more often. When somebody close to me invites me to their house, sometimes they say, man, you should come over more often. We can hang out. God invites you to his throne room every hour, every day, because he wants to tell you that he's still in charge and that you still belong to him until he renews all things. So this is how we deal with our future. One day at a time, doing our best for the day and for the week, feeding on his grace for our strength. And he's always going to be waiting to meet you tomorrow, to meet you next year, and for eternity, because that's what he has planned for you. Uh, So today we talked about reframing our future, redeeming our future, and remaining in the future. This table is something uh, Jesus prepared for us so that we can keep on remaining, keep on staying close to him. When we take these elements... He's with us in spirit, and we get the boldness to move forward for another week. On the night when he was betrayed, Jesus took bread, and after giving thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this, and as often as you drink it, remember me. Well, I'm going to ask our uh, leaders to come up and help set up the table. Uh, This table is for those who have put your trust in Jesus. You've been baptized. You're a member of a church. But if that doesn't describe you today, we don't want you to check out or anything like that. We still want to be with you in this moment. So there's some prayers on the bulletin for you to pray or you can come up to me or anybody here. We could talk about what was just shared in the word.